Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. As we're in the series called Attitude Check, uh, I know my attitude has been checked several times in just the last week of starting this series. So uh, I believe it's powerful, it's impactful, and we're just going to read here. Uh, It's the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in the the, the kind of the big finish, this is what he says. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So awful lot of countercultural statements, I, I think we can agree are in there. And I would just ask you to join me in prayer today. Uh, Father God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your word that it never fails, that it is always true. It always, uh, it is the only thing, the gospel of Jesus is the only thing with the power to change lives and the power to save. Uh, I ask that the Holy Spirit be with us today because I myself am not worthy to preach the words of Christ. I ask for uh, your Holy Spirit, Lord, to move into this room and move throughout, move online to all those joining at home and minister your words, not mine, but your words to their hearts because that is the only thing that really brings about transformation in this life. Father, we love you and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, Amen. amen. You guys may be seated. I'm excited to share with you today, um, which might sound odd given our sermon content. We started the Beatitudes last week, and uh, you may notice in there that all of them start with blessed are. Now, if you grew up in church like I grew up in church, we said blessed. Now, I don't know what the difference is, but I'm saying blessed because I never used the word blessed, right? I thought you guys would laugh at that. Apparently, this service, nobody grew up in church. All right, I got you. We used to say blessed because that's the way traditionally in English it was put, but it just means blessed. It's not, it's not a more fancy word to say blessed or blessed. But what I want to share with you is all of them start with that. Blessed are the blank, blessed are the blank. And that word blessed could be better translated today to happy, but it's not happy in the way you think happy because our happiness is often contingent upon the circumstances we find ourselves in. I am very happy when I don't have to stop at any red lights on the way to the church. I'm not happy when I have to stop at all of them. Or when the person in front of me is, that's another, we're not going to get into speed laws and all that today. Um, But, but our happiness, you know, I'm happy as long as everything's going good. I'm happy as long as I think my boss is about to give me a raise when he calls me into the office. But maybe when I go in the office, I actually find out that it's 
not that at all, and now I'm not happy anymore. You see, that happy, that, that version of happy, that definition of happy is contingent upon other factors. In the Bible, this word that they use for happy or for blessed that translates to happy is a deep abiding joy. That means it's not based on external factors, it's based only on what's in here. And it can't be taken away and it can't be lost. It's a joy that only comes from following Jesus. Now, the next word in that is the word mourn. So blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, I don't know if, if it's like a, a spiritual joke that I'm the guy preaching on mourning, because if you've been here for a while and you've ever received an announcement that somebody has passed away, usually I'm the one that sends it. I actually have one of my small group leaders one time miss small group training because they don't want to open my emails because for a while there, they were all bad news. You know, he's like, hey, you're the one that gives me the bad news. I don't want to read your emails. I'm like, okay, all right. So, uh, but here I am, you know, I'm also the guy that plans most of the memorial services. And I, as I look around, I see a few faces that I've had the honor to serve in that capacity. So maybe it is appropriate that I speak on the second of the Beatitudes, but the word mourning, similar to blessed, it kind of has some broader meaning. This word mourning means uh, a lament or a lament, depending on how you pronounce your Old Testament books. But what that is, is that is an expression of deep pain. It's an expression of deep grief, of sorrow, of guilt, of uh, confusion. You know, it can mean a lot of things. They were much simpler in the old days. They would have one word that meant many things that now we have to remember all the words for. It's kind of similar if you learn other language. It can also mean confusion, grief of confusion, grief of the state of the world, uh, grief of sin that you are, you're seeing someone you care about commit. It can mean all of those things. And you know, I gotta say for a second on the word confusion, that seems to be a big thing in our world right now. Like we're confused about what the Bible means, what the Bible doesn't mean, what it says about this, what it says about that. And it hit me the other day, I was talking with Pastor Jeff and I said, you know, Pastor, I don't think any of the commercials, you know, on TV, you know, the, you don't have to try very hard to find somewhere in the world or in society where they try to tell you that something the Bible says doesn't really mean that or that something the Bible says is sin isn't sin. It's very easy to find and you can find examples everywhere, literally everywhere. And I told Pastor, I, I said, Pastor, it, it dawned on me, they're, the, the enemy, the world around us, they're not marketing this to me. And I don't think they're marketing it, as I'm 38, I don't think they're marketing it to people older than me. I don't think the enemy is trying to convince me that sin's not sin. And I don't even think if you're in your 20s, that's the case. Who I believe that the enemy is targeting more than anyone else in the world is our young people, our teenagers, our elementary schoolers, our preschoolers even. I mean, when, when you have to start filtering what your child watches on PBS, then the world is trying to sow things into our lives that is countercultural and counterbiblical. And things used to be a lot simpler, okay? But listen, here's the, here's the absolute truth. Um, nobody's more being more confused and it, then it hit me. Something powerful hit me. Why isn't the enemy trying to get me on board with this stuff? I think he's figured out that 
he doesn't have to convince me. He doesn't have to convince the 40-somethings, the 50-somethings, and so on. He doesn't have to convince even the 20-somethings. If he can get this stuff taught at a childhood level, all he has to do for the rest of us is wait for us to die. And the world then belongs to him. Because there won't be anybody left who wasn't brought up thinking these things are okay to stand up and speak for the gospel. And I think that's his plan. That's why I believe that one of the most important things we can do is come together in prayer for, for our next generation. And here's what I want you to do. If you'll just take your pen, it's not on your outline or your program, just write down, uh, just write down the date, July 29th, because here's what we're gonna do. On July 29th, we are partnering with churches all over our county to cover every single school in Henry County in prayer. Every single school. Let's go a little bigger because we've actually been, Pastor Jeff's been telling other pastors about it in other counties, they're joining in too. Amen. Get this, there's churches in other states that are gonna do the same thing and we're all gonna come together at one time and we are going to pray that this, this spirit of division, of, 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 of just celebrating sin and this, all of these spirits that our kids are having to face that we didn't have to face, we're gonna pray that out. And I'm not saying God's gonna change everything, but I believe that when people come together in prayer, God changes something. Yeah. That's what we're gonna do. I gotta preach faster. Cause I hadn't even got to point one. Uh, this happened to me last service too. And I said, I'm gonna do better. But the Lord said, when I give you something to say, you're gonna say it whether you like it or not, amen. That's what we're gonna do here. So here's what I wanna share with you. We're gonna get into some very heavy topics. And before we do, um, I wanna share a funny story with y'all. Is that all right? Yes. Good, because I was going to either way. <laughs> so the story I wanna share, have you ever heard one of those stories that's just so terrible, but then when you find out the person was okay, it's all right to laugh? You know the stories I'm talking about? Let me go ahead and tell you, this person turned out okay, so it's okay to, to laugh at their misfortune. Okay, I think if they were here today, they would agree. They would laugh at it too. So back in the late 70s, uh, there was a Florida man. Of course, it's a Florida man. There's a Florida man working on his motorcycle. He's just outside of his house. There's these giant glass doors, right? Big giant glass, uh, glass windows, not doors, glass windows. And he's working on his motorcycle and he kind of reaches up and he's messing around with the throttle or whatever you call those things. I'm not a biker, but he's, he's messing with it. Here's what happens. The bike takes off through the glass windows into the living room. To make matters worse, the kickstand catches his sleeve and drags him in too. There's gas everywhere. There's oil and metal and plastic and rubber all over the living room. Uh, that, listen, I just wanna tell y'all, that wall collage that she worked so hard on, that his wife worked so hard on was gone, okay? That nice pretty couch was gone. It was all just destroyed. She comes, his wife comes running across the house. What happened? Oh my gosh. And she gets down and she, you know, trying to take tend to him and care for him. And he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. Just call 911. I think it was one of those deals, men, y'all follow me, where our pride was hurt a lot more than his, our body. Like when we do something stupid, you know, which I know y'all never do. I'm the only one daily, but, um, but here's what I have. So she comes in, she calls 911. Now they live on this really steep hill, right? They live on this really, really steep hill. 
and there's these crazy stair, this staircase that you have to go up to actually get in the front door of the house. So she tells the paramedics, hey, we're, I'm going to meet you at the bottom and show you how to get up. So that's what she did. So she meets him and she takes him to the top and, and they get this man and they're like, ma'am, what happened? And, you know, she told them and they couldn't help but laugh a little bit because the guy at this point, they could just tell he was embarrassed. So anyway, as a precaution, they take him to the hospital, they navigate the stairs and she stays behind for just a moment to clean up the mess. There's gasoline all over her house. Of course, she grabs any kind of paper towel or washcloth, whatever she can get her hands on. And after she gets the mess as clean as can be, she goes in the bathroom and I think what she meant to do was to throw all of those in the bathtub for safekeeping until she got back. But when we're in shock, we do stupid things. She actually, for whatever reason, raised the toilet and threw them all in there and closed the lid. Then she went to the hospital and brought her husband home. At this point, he's bruised, he's banged up, but his ego is in far worse condition and he just wants a minute alone. He goes in the bathroom. Me and y'all know, that's where you go sometimes when you just need a minute. So he goes in the bathroom and he just kinda, you know, he's not using it or anything, but he sits down on the toilet and he decides I'm gonna have a cigarette. I gotta calm my nerves. Everything was going all right while he was smoking the cigarette. When he was done, he needed somewhere to put it. So he steps up a little bit, he pulls up the lid, sorry to be graphic, but he steps up, he pulls up the lid and he flicks the cigarette butt in there. 2.1 seconds later, his wife heard the explosion. She comes running for the second time today. She walks, runs down the hallway. The door to the bathroom has been blown off, okay? So have his pants. They're like plastered on the wall. The door to the bathroom's been blown off. So have his pants. He's burned in places that nobody would ever want to be burned. And she calls the paramedics. Now it's a small town in Florida, same paramedics show up. They get the guy, they get him loaded up and uh, poor guy, they get him loaded up and they're walking him out. And uh, as they're walking him back down the stairs, one of them goes, ma'am, you got to tell me how this happened. And so when she did to make matters worse, the guy at the bottom walking down the stairs with the, the stretcher starts laughing so hard that he drops his end of the stretcher. The poor pantsless dude goes rolling down the hill. And that is a bad day. Can we agree? Yes. That is a bad day. So this word mourning, uh, since it can mean so many things, I want you to think of it in terms of one of the worst days of my life. Now I know you're probably wondering, how are we gonna segue that back into the scripture? But I'm just gonna go for it. Uh, Matthew five and four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, comforted is the second word in that that I really want to dissect. Um, it do, or the, the third word, I guess. Uh, it doesn't mean comforted like just somebody made me feel better. That's not what it means. What this word means, it's a very spiritual word. It's a very intimate word speaking of God drawing someone in, inviting them in, and holding them. So if you put all of that into context and you reread the passage through that lens, it says a deep abiding joy that cannot be taken away because of circumstances will be given to those who are having the worst day, week, or season of their life for they will be drawn in and invited in to be held by God. That is next level faith, amen? That is a whole nother 
level of faith. So we're going to get into that. And uh, I just want to share with you uh, briefly uh, three lessons from morning. Three lessons from morning. And the first one, if you'll write this down, is this. We don't always know what's best. We don't always know what's best. We, we often find ourselves in a place where we try to tell God how to God. You know what I mean? Like, one of y'all knows what I mean? You've never tried to tell God that your plan was better than his? Like, God, listen, if you would just, listen, I know I'm in my 30s and I still haven't found the right person because I just haven't felt that they're the right person. But God, if you would have just let me marry Bob that I met in the eighth grade, my life would have been a lot better. You could have just done that one thing and changed everything for me. Meanwhile, God's like up in heaven looking down saying, no, 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 you dodged a bullet. Because 40 years down the road, Bob is a tub of goo that won't go to work or pay his child support or his taxes or anything else. Most of us in here can look back and say, yeah, I dodged a bullet not marrying that one, right? Now, if you married that one and they're sitting beside you, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know that wouldn't be the case. But what hit me this week is that great uh, Bible scholar, Garth Brooks. You know what's funny? I mentioned Garth Brooks in the first service and the thunder rolled immediately after. It was wild. Couldn't have done that better. I was like, yes, God, I got you. But Garth Brooks said some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And I think we can all agree with that. Amen? Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, eight through nine, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Does anybody remember what we learned last Sunday? The expression that we learned? You first. You first, Holy Spirit. You first, Holy Spirit. That is kind of our focus throughout this entire series because the Beatitudes, in order to embrace and be those people who are blessed, we have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit and not have everything our way because we don't always know what's best. A few, about a month ago now, I had uh, the privilege, and it is a privilege. Um, we, as a pastor, we never want to, to serve for funerals. That's not something anybody wants to do. You don't want to have to have a funeral, but it's a privilege to serve people when they need, when they need uh, a, a pastor, a minister, a friend, somebody to lean on. It's a privilege to do that. And, I'm, and I mean that. I went to a Catholic church. It was the first time I've ever been inside a Catholic church and I was so enamored with everything. Like, listen, y'all, they had cool statues. They had a cool little baptism thing out front. They had all these things and it was just so ornate and beautiful. That's the only word I can, I can say. And the service itself was beautiful. I think there are a lot of things we could learn from them and there's probably even more maybe that they could learn from us because if, if, at the end of the day, we're playing for the same team. We just don't use the same rules, amen? But here's what hit me. The minister, the priest, he came all the way to the end of the stage and he looked down like right here. And he was talking to the woman who had just lost her husband and the son and daughter who had just lost dad. And he said something that shook my very soul. He said, I just want you to know that even if he could come back for just a moment, he wouldn't. 
That was such a powerful thought to me. I can't tell you how many times I've said, you know, oh, if, you know, if, if anything were to happen to me, I, I would want this person to do this. I would want that person to do this. And while that's a great thought to have, the truth is the splendor and majesty that we will see one day in heaven far exceeds anything we can understand here on earth. And there is no way I would want them to have to come back here when they've experienced that. I felt convicted in many, many ways when he said that. Then he went on to share what he said was one of his favorite passages of scripture, Isaiah 57, one, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time, but no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. That's one of those things that when you read it, it feels like the first time I've ever heard that. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I've read that in preparation to share with you here today. It, it, every time I read it, it feels like the first time because that is such an impactful uh, passage of scripture. No, it says no one seems to care or wonder why. Good people pass away before their time, but, but God understands, God understands why he allows and does the things that he does and allows. We don't, and I think sometimes we gotta remind ourselves that we're not meant to. Our brains could not handle what he comprehends in a second. His ways are so much different than ours. I have done uh, many funerals, as I've said, many of them standing right here. Um, and a few of them I've been honored to be asked to do because they were personal friends of mine. One of them is a gentleman that many of you may, uh, many of you may know and his, his wife's still here and serving on the parking lot team, Mr. Ronnie Barnes. Ronnie and I had nothing in common, nothing. He's one of those people that God put in my life and I had no idea why. Okay, because I can be a bit abrasive and so can he. And I don't know if you've ever been caught in the middle of one of those conversations, but usually you're ready for those people to stop talking and go somewhere. But me and Ronnie were both that way and I learned so much from that relationship. But I didn't understand why he had to go through the help things that he went through. But God's plans were so much greater and I'll never understand them. I just know that and I, I embrace that. But here's what I want to know. Sometimes God puts people in your life that maybe they're a little different than you and you don't want them in your life because life would be easier without them. Maybe sometimes it's because they're calling you out on your nonsense. It happens. Maybe they're calling you out on your sin and you don't want to hear about it. So we distance ourselves and we push ourselves back and we push those people out. But Ronnie's one of those people that just stuck with me. And what I learned was that God will do so much through the right people if you get into those relationships. He will do so much in your life. Uh, Pastor Jeff has said many, many times, most of the miracles you'll experience in your life are gonna come through other people that God put in your life. And I believe that Ronnie, here's the crazy thing. Ronnie was the farthest thing from a preacher you could imagine in many, many ways. But Ronnie made me a better dad. He made me a better husband, a better man of God, and he made me a better pastor. But it's because that relationship happened and we both embraced it. So here's what I wanna do. Ladies, I'm sorry, but I'm not inviting you to this. I thought y'all would be more upset. Um, we're having an event here in a few weeks called Guys Night. It's for the men of SEC. We're gonna bring them together. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna eat barbecue, praise God. We're gonna have, I thought y'all would be excited about that. 
The first service must have been hungry. Y'all had breakfast, but we're going to have barbecue. We're going to have a good time. We're going to play games. We're going to have worship, prayer, and we're even going to have a devotion together. And you can sign up on your connection card today for ticket information. It's only 10 bucks and it basically just covers the cost of your food. It's a very small price to pay to come together with such great men. Amen. All right. Next thing I want you to share, or I want you to write down, I'm going to share it, is that pain doesn't have to lead to blame. Pain doesn't have to lead to blame. So often things will happen and we want to find out, you know, which doctor's fault was it? Which nurse didn't check the room one last time? And those are hard truths. But when we're in pain, it's got to be somebody's fault. But what about those situations where it's nobody's fault, right? What about those situations where it's absolutely nobody's fault that something terrible happened? Well, we got to find somebody to blame when there's nobody left to blame. God, why did you let this happen? And if every time something bad happened, we had to find somebody to blame. Every time we felt pain, we had to find somebody to blame. We would have an awfully bad image of who God is in our mind. Because if I'm hurting, it's his fault. It's hard to believe I got a father in heaven who loves me if every time something wrong happens, I got to blame him. God, why did you take him so soon? God, why did you cause this relationship to fail? God, why did you allow this addiction to keep going? God, why did you, why did you, why did you? And before you know it, God's the bad guy in every story. And that's bad theology. I want to tell you that bad theology hurts people. You guys ever taught anybody that said they had church hurt? Bad theology hurts people. Telling somebody that, matter of fact, Jesus knew this in his day because what they would do is if something was wrong with you, then that meant you sinned and it was your fault. You were to blame. And if you didn't do anything, they brought your mama into it. Your mama and daddy done done something wrong and you're being punished on their behalf. But that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Pain doesn't have to have somebody to blame. Jesus himself said in John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have conquered the world. Jesus said, I have conquered the culture, the society, the sin nature. I have conquered all of that. Now we may not always feel that that's been conquered, but it has. It's been ultimately in the fullness of time conquered. It is a lie that some people tell. <sighs> Try to be nice about this, but it's a lie that some people, uh, let's, let's say this. If you watch 25 preachers on YouTube, chances are one of them is a little kooky, right? Yeah. All right. The one that tells you the world's gonna end every day He's like, the world's going to end tomorrow. Oh, I was wrong. It actually meant tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. There's some pastors that have been doing that since the 80s. Bad theology hurts people. It, 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 it just hurts people. There's a lie that they tell that many people will tell. And some well-meaning Christians will say, just give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. Ain't nothing about that true. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. He, he outright promised you. Anyway, I, I, I can't stay on that too long, but I want to share with you Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is cr close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He rescues those. I believe 
with all my belief. I believe that when we are hurting the worst, when we are at our worst season or day, he is closer to us than ever because he is a loving father. And if you're hurting, he's right there with you. I believe that with everything I have. And it doesn't have to be a death. You, we mourn a lot of things. You know, God, I gave 25 years of my life to that company and they downsized me last week. With inflation being what it is, I don't know how I'm buying groceries. We mourn a lot of things. We mourn a lot of things. But pain doesn't have to lead to blame. I want to share a story with you about a family in our church, uh, the Walker family. They were here last service. Um, Uh, There was a young man in our church at the age of 33, grew up here, and uh, a few months ago, he passed away. He died very unexpectedly. uh, John Walker was his name. The Walker family has been a part of our church for a long, long time. Some absolutely salt-of-the-earth, wonderful, God-loving people, and they're people-loving people, too. And uh, I remember one of the worst days when somebody's passed away is when you actually have to sit down and start writing out what you want to happen at their funeral. Cause you're trying to think through their mind, you know, what would they want? It's always one of the worst days when you're mourning a death to sit down and talk about how you're going to ultimately say goodbye. So they came in after already speaking with pastor Jeff, Lori, uh, Lori came in and Aaron, John's sister came in and they, they came in and they met with pastor Chesney and they talked through what they wanted to have for the memorial. Okay. Now I want you guys to know that most of the time your church staff in the office area is very professional before I tell the rest of the story. Most of the time we're very professional, but we have pastor chemo. (laughs) Isn't it funny how I can just say that and people already know where the story's going. I love him so much. He has brought so much joy to my life. This particular day, the students were going to have that Sunday night, a Nerf battle with Nerf guns. So there were Nerf darts everywhere where we had been testing for safety reasons, the toys that they were going to play with, right? (laughs) Look, in my day, they didn't have automatic firing uh, turret Nerf darts, okay? That's a whole new deal. And we had to test them. Um, But they were everywhere. Nobody ever leaves the office through the office cubicles. They leave through the main hall. This time was different. And they're leaving and they're actually walking through the offices where the desks are. And and Pastor Chemo's right beside me. And as soon as I heard them coming my way, I was embarrassed because of the mess. You know, you ever had somebody show up at your house unexpected or, you know, you're just not prepared for them. And you're like, forgive the mess. Didn't know. Right about the time I was embarrassed and I was going to try to hide behind a book like I wasn't involved in this, I heard, I saw Nerf darts fly across the hall. They're going everywhere. I mean, ceiling, wall, floor, they're just bouncing. It looks like the Wild West, okay, corral in the office. And then I heard Aaron laughing. Right after, just days after her brother had unexpectedly died, she was laughing and she was the one playing with the Nerf gun. Minutes after planning that memorial that nobody ever wants to plan, then something even more crazy happened. Lori, John's mom, who experienced something that no mother should ever have to experience. No mother should should have to bury their children. 
Lori told a joke. Very few things have touched my heart like that moment did. And I didn't tell them then. But in a time where there's no reason in this world that they should be experiencing joy, they were experiencing joy because they had something inside that the world is afraid of. They had a relationship with Jesus. They had this comfort that talks about blessed are those who mourn. They had something inside that made things a lot different. And I'll be honest with you, every time I see a memorial service or, or I attend one, all I can think to myself is I have no idea how unbelievers can, can deal with this because they don't have that promise. The only way to have that peace. The Bible says that it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's an unspeakable joy. The Bible says, blessed are those who are going through the worst day of their life because they will be comforted by someone who comforts like no earthly person could ever dream of. They will be held and comforted by God. If you're here today or you're joining online and you can't say with 100% certainty that you would have that same comfort in that same situation, that you don't know, you don't know necessarily in your heart that you're gonna see people that you've lost again or that one day when you pass away, you'll get to see the people who are left behind again. I just wanna encourage you to make that decision. Decide today to follow Jesus. There's a prayer inside your program. It's, it just says the prayer to become a Christ follower. If you're looking on the digital connection card, it's on there as well. If you pray that, and you join the family of God and you accept that peace and that comfort that's been promised, I just wanna encourage you to check that box on your connection card so that we can pray for you this week and we can send you some great resources in the mail. Amen? Amen. Amen. And before I move too far ahead, if you've already made that decision, I wanna encourage you to take your next step, which is baptism. You can sign up for that as well. Number three, the last thing I'll share today and this is probably the hardest of the three, but bad things happen to good people. It's just a fact of life. Hebrews 11 has often been called the hall of faith. It's all of the heroes of the Old Testament getting their stories told. It's the Abrahams, the Sarahs, it's the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Moseses. They all get mentioned there. Talks about all the wonderful things they did. They were following God. They were doing what he had called them to do. They were fulfilling his purpose for their life. And Hebrews eleven thirty five 35 through 40, this is what it says about them and many, many others. It says, there were others who were tortured, persecuted and mistreated. And get this, the world was not worthy of them. They had a message that the world didn't want to hear. And so after that time, the world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, I want to unpack that very quickly. Here's what that means. They did receive a reward, but it was so much more than what they had thought they would receive here on this earth. They were rewarded. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they became part of the church. They became part of the family of God in a way that they had only thought of. 
they had only imagined, but still didn't even come close. And only after Jesus fulfilled the old covenant, created the new covenant, brought us into it, me, you, and all of uh, everybody online, he brought us into it. Now we're in that family with them. And only in that unity through Jesus can things ever be made right. Can his ultimate plan and promise happen? We say, well, God's not fair. God's not fair. Why did he let this happen? God just isn't fair. He's not treating me fairly. I want to say this to you. And if you haven't heard a a single word I've said today, but this right here, I just want you to know and feel that thank God, God's not fair. Because if he was, I would have to pay for my sins. If God was fair, you would have to pay for your sins. And get this, it's not possible because to have sin, which all of us have in our lives and have had in our lives and will have in our lives, to have sin means you cannot live a perfect sinless life. Therefore, you would not be a good enough sacrifice for you. Thank God he's not fair. This last part of our passage that we've been going through, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I don't know about you, but when I read that and I'm going through something, I don't wanna wait to be comforted. Did you, did you get that? It doesn't say blessed are you who, who mourn because you'll be comforted tomorrow. That's not what it says. It says blessed are you who mourn for you will be comforted. I don't know when that's gonna happen, God. We ask him when, we say, when will I be comforted? When will my financial situation be made better for my faithfulness and I've been handling things the right way, but it's not getting better. When will that relationship be restored? When will my family talk to me again? When will my my kids come to Christmas dinner again? When will I get to see my grandchildren again? God, the doctor gave me this, uh, this diagnosis and it's not looking good. It's looking very grim. When will you deliver me from this? That's what we ask him. But as we said earlier, greater are his ways than ours. He knows things that we do not. And he has promised to comfort us at some point. We just have to be willing to wait. We have to be willing to let God be God, step back, say you first Holy Spirit and wait for that promise to be fulfilled. Here's how we do that. I found that often, that oftentimes when the hardest times come and I'm trying to figure out how God's gonna deliver me today, what gives me the strength to get through it is to remember what God's already delivered me from. Okay? Uh, I don't have to be this person today because he's delivered me from that then. I don't have, God's delivered me from this, 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 and this. And if he did it then, the same God that did it then can do it again. And if he does it again, then he'll do it again in the future because I can believe I will be comforted because his word says so. Blessed are those who mourn for they will, not they might, they will be comforted, amen? The next step I wanna challenge you with here today, when hard times come, I will remember God's past faithfulness because it's awfully easier. It's a lot easier to remember what he's done can be done again and will continue being done. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? I just wanna pray as we move into worship. 
Father, thank you. Thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins that we can embrace and step into a new life with you. Thank you that when we are at our very, very, very worst and we are hurting the most, more than we could ever have imagined we would be in pain. God, thank you for the comfort and the promise that it's gonna come. Lord, I don't know what it is you're trying to show me through this pain, but I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I follow you. I love you. And regardless of what it is I am feeling right in this moment, I know that I will be delivered because your word says I'll be delivered. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that made all of this possible. Thank you that I could not have done it by myself. It is not a gift I could have earned. It is not a gift I could pay for. It is a sacrifice that had to be made by a perfect, sinless, spotless, as you call him, the Lamb of God. And I am grateful for that, Lord, and we embrace all that you have done, and we remember that and we honor that today. In Jesus' name. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.